If you have a Bible, if you'll go ahead and open it up or turn it on to Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to be today in our scriptures. Do you have any goals in your life? Anybody have any goals in your life? I think it's always important to have some goals and to take the next step of not just having them in your mind, but write them down somewhere. What are some good financial goals for a Christian to have? Maybe you have a goal that you want to lower your debt or get out of debt entirely. Proverbs 22 and verse 7 talks about how the borrower is slave to the lender, and I think it's always wise to manage the amount of debt that we carry in our own personal life. Uh, There's a long Christian heritage of believers being generous givers and managing our resources in such a way that we're actually able to give a ten-tenth a tithe back to God, and that's an act of worship, an act of obedience, an act of faithfulness. A good financial goal, to have a will, to make sure that you have a will in place on, on, in place in case something happens. Uh, how about nutrition goals? Here's one of my nutrition goals. I want to eat more foods. I'll stop right there. I want to eat more food. Eat more foods that are on the outside of the grocery store. Like all the good foods are supposed to be on the outside, and like the worse, the further in you get, the worse the food gets. Uh, or I want, to eat, I want to eat less food that comes out of boxes, windows, or is located near a register, right? Nutrition goals that we can set for ourselves. In our Disciples Path class, uh, we offer the Disciples Path class on Wednesday nights in person from 6 to 7. If you can't make it in person, we offer it on Thursday night on Zoom, 7.30 to 8.15. So we would love to have you join us for that. We're trying to help you understand uh, what discipleship looks like, but also give you some tools that maybe you can help other people in your life grow as a disciple as well. Uh, But we, we asked this question Wednesday night as, what are your spiritual goals? What are your goals for spiritual growth? And I'm of the opinion that that most of you that are here in this room today or clicked play and have watched this video more than 10 seconds, most of you, uh, it's kind of a Facebook joke if you don't, uh, most of you want to grow spiritually. But one of the questions that we have is, how do I grow spiritually? Is there a business plan for it? Maybe uh, I can put the spiritual growth oil in my diffuser and it will just happen to me as I sleep. Maybe I can schedule spiritual growth in my daytimer. Anybody still use daytimers anymore? You know those big books that came out before the Palm Pilot? <laughs> yeah, 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 it goes way back. Yeah, yeah. How do you measure spiritual growth? How do you, how, how do you measure it? Husband comes home and says to his wife, Hey, honey! I lost 10 pounds of sin last quarter. She says, well, good. Can you pick up your shoes? (laughs) That would make it 11 right there. It's very difficult to measure something that is organically spiritual rather than physical. Jesus had this discussion with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was an individual that liked things to be very under control. He was a Pharisee. He was fairly rigid, and Jesus was trying to get him to see that he needed a work of the Spirit, and so he likened it to trying to catch the wind. Now, believe me, over the years, I have tried to measure spiritual growth. 
When I was 18 years of age, if you were to go to my closet, you would have seen like five suits in my closet. And I had the white shirts to go with them, and I had the cufflinks and all that. Why? Because in my 18-year-old brain at that time, I thought that that would make me more spiritually mature. Back in the day, uh, the church used to mail out envelopes. Anybody remember the envelopes church used to mail out all the time? Yeah, so at the beginning of the year, you'd get 52 envelopes each year. And if you were to go way, way back, some of those envelopes, I think this was probably back in the 60s a lot, 50s, 60s, a lot of those envelopes would have a checklist on it. And so you get the envelope, that was for your offering, uh, but you'd bring it to church and it would have a checklist on there. Did you read the Sunday school lesson before you came? Check. Did you bring your Bible? Check. Did you give to the offering? Check. Did you invite someone with you this week? Did you remember the kids? Yeah. Uh, what, what are your prayer requests? And you'd check out all these little boxes there. Uh, and and it, it illustrates a rather interesting spiritual conundrum that we have. Spiritual disciplines are a natural result of a growing heart. So when you are maturing and growing in the Lord, exercising spiritual disciplines like bringing your Bible, giving, inviting others, praying, all these things are natural overflows of a growing heart, and those spiritual disciplines are necessary for you to grow mature, uh, spiritually. But here's the conundrum. It is possible to do spiritual things and have a dead heart. So, we're in this series where we are looking at the parables of Jesus. And today, here in Matthew chapter 13, we're looking at the parable of the story. So, one of the things that Jesus did was he often taught in these parables. The Sunday school answer on what is a parable is that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so, Jesus would use these stories that, particularly in his day, everybody could relate to, and he would tie into the parable a spiritual lesson, something that you had to dig a little bit deeper to discover. And so let's begin in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Now, I'm not going to really chase this down the road, but something just struck me in that verse that Jesus had a house. Yeah, I wonder if he mowed his yard regular. I don't know. Anyway, just my mind got curious on that. Jesus had a house, you know. So he goes out of the house, and he's sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered around him that he, so, so that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow, and he sowed, as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Listen. Anyone who has ears, listen. So this parable is often called the parable of the sower. Sometimes it's called the parable of the soils. And in the parable, you have the farmer and the seed. So the farmer is 
casting his seed onto the ground. Uh, And there are the paths. So if you were to look at the way they laid out their farms, one of the ways for you to get your mind around it is to think of a football field. You kind of had these square areas, and then they would have these lines. Instead of yard lines, there would be paths. And those paths gave them some protection in the event of a fire, and they would cast their seed in a broadcast manner along the paths. That's where the people and the animals would walk. Now, within the soil, some of the seed landed upon rocky area, shallow areas in the soil. When Stacy and I first got married, we lived, our first house was in Cedar Park, Texas. Anybody ever been to Cedar Park, Texas? Yeah, just right outside of Austin. And uh, one of the things that I learned, and one of the reasons it's called Cedar Park, is because cedar trees can grow in very, very shallow soil. And so if you went to try to dig and dig a hole in order to plant like an oak tree, you would get your shovel in and you'd take out like one, one shovel full of soil and then you'd hear clink, clink, and you had, to, you had to get this big bar and break through all the rock in order to be able to dig a hole in Cedar Park, Texas, at least where our house was located. So some of the soil fell on rocky, on ro- some of the seed fell on rocky soil, and there wasn't a lot of depth to it. Some fell on thorny areas. Now, if you've ever played golf, you're familiar with the thorny areas. That's where your golf balls land whenever you don't hit a good shot. <laughs> they mow the grass where everybody else plays, but where you play, you know, you're in the thorny areas. And so in the thorny areas, uh, the seed would land, and then all the other weeds would come up, and it would choke it out. And then some of the, some of the seed, it landed in fertile areas. And as the parable continues, when it landed in the fertile areas, things grew and multiplied beyond anything you could ever imagine. So what's Jesus addressing here? He's addressing the issue as to why it is that some people hear the message of the gospel and they grow, but others hear the very same words and never grow spiritually. So he tells this parable, and after the parable, the disciples come up to him, and they're like, Lord, um, good sermon today. Hey, it was a good sermon. Uh, I liked it. Um, I got one question. Why do you always talk in parables? It just, you know, we've been talking, and we've put together a list of ideas for your sermons. Uh, (laughs) We've been talking, and uh, we think, you know, sometimes these parables, people don't really understand them. And Jesus essentially, and I'm kind of giving a lash spin to it here, but Jesus tells them, you're right. A lot of people don't understand And one of the things that would happen in Jesus' ministry is, you know why he was hanging out in the house a lot? Because when he would come out of the house at this point, the crowds would surround him and he would be overwhelmed by the people. And so so frequently he was retreating from the crowds in order that he might connect to God. And over time, as he continued to preach the message of the gospel, the crowds began to lessen until you find Jesus completely isolated upon the cross all alone and rejected. 
And when he comes out of the tomb, victorious over death, guess what happens? The gospel begins to expand to every people group and every person. Jesus says, go to the ends of the earth sharing the gospel. And so he says that this is going to occur because for you to grow spiritually, there has to be a spiritual work of God in you so that God gives you eyes to see and ears to hear. And when you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you have a heart that can grow and receive the message of the gospel. And so Jesus begins to break it down in verse 18. All right, guys, I understand this parable. You didn't quite understand it. So look with me in your, in, I'm not talking to you, I was talking in Jesus' voice, but uh, look with me to verse 18 in your Bibles there. He says, so listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes, because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. So to get your mind around the parable of the sower, Make sure you download this. The seed, Jesus says, are my words. It is the message that Jesus was speaking about the kingdom. It is the message of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so the words of Jesus, the message of the gospel, goes forth. It is sown. The soil is the heart of of those who hear the message of Jesus. Spiritual growth begins in the heart and then overflows into your life. When there is heart transformation, there is behavior modification. But often we try to use the opposite approach. I will modify someone's behavior in order to see a heart transformation. And frequently when it comes to our spiritual growth, we blame others. Well, you know, I would grow, but, you know, I don't like the sermons. They just don't speak to me. Or I would grow, but my life group teacher sure is boring. Let, let's be real. Often the reason why we're not growing spiritually has nothing to do with the sermons or even the church, but has everything to do with the condition of your heart. Is your heart open to the Word of God? Are you leaning in to the, to the message of the Spirit? Or is there something that has kind of crept into your life that has caused your heart not to receive the Word? So as we think about the paths, we have the condition of hard-heartedness. Look at verse 19 again. 
Verse 19, Jesus says, When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. As a preacher, I I see this often. People will walk into these doors and they're very, very guarded. There's, There's a wall around them. It's very difficult to penetrate into the heart. Sometimes you might even be teaching a lesson in your life group and you realize that, you know, this person over here isn't hearing a word that's being said today. Why? Because there's a wall there. It might be a wall of trust. Life has hurt someone. And so you've built a wall that nobody ever gets past. And that wall gives you a guard to make sure that nobody really knows who you are gets close to you. It might be a wall of misunderstanding. Perhaps you have some misunderstanding about Christianity. Perhaps you're skeptical. And so you, maybe you've seen some people that were Christians act in a bad way. And so you have this wall that keeps you from really receiving the message. It might be a wall of deception. Jesus talks about this in the parable. You hear the truth, but then the evil one twists it in such a way so that you wind up never really receiving the truth and walking away from the gospel. Maybe it's a wall of empiricism. You're very data and proof driven. Give me proof. Give me proof. I need to see the data that God exists. Can you prove that God exists? You're, you're Dr. Sheldon Cooper. And maybe you're brilliant when it comes to science and academics and those aspects, but your spiritual side is malnourished because you've never learned to really receive spiritual truth. I just want to ask you today, is your heart hardened? Jesus said the hard heart was like the paths that are between the fields. And when the seed of the gospel lands there, it's not received. It doesn't go anywhere. It's carried away by the wind. Ask yourself this question. What am I missing in life by having a hard heart? Sometimes, here's something I've, I've, I think, come to realize. When I harden my heart for some reason, and I began hiding behind the walls. And let's be real, in some area of life, all of us have experienced this, right? You've hardened your heart to something. And so you start kind of hiding behind some walls of protection. And behind those walls, I stop laughing. I stop growing. And often what happens is I miss out on the joy of what's happening today because I'm trying to hang on so tightly to that safety and that security or maybe what was that I can't really enjoy what is. And so one of my prayers for you today is that we will have soft hearts that will receive and hear the message of Christ's love for you. Soften the heart, unclench the fist, and open it up to the message of Christ. 
There's also the condition of the shallow heart. The shallow heart is spoke of in verse 20 and 21. Let's look again to verse 20. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. The shallow heart hears the message of Jesus and says, sign me up. This is a good deal. Jesus, I like this forgiveness. I like this grace. Eternal life, this is awesome. Sign me up. I want it. I'm going to do everything I can. Here I am. I'm ready to go. The shallow heart enjoys all the benefits of the cross, but never embraces the Savior on the cross. This was the crowd that was following Jesus because he was doing miracles. Listen, Jesus, as long as you're feeding 5,000 people, as long as you're healing the blind, as long as you're casting out evil spirits, as long as you're doing all these incredible miracles, as long as you are praying blessings upon me from the Beatitudes, as long as you're doing that, I'm here, I love it, this is incredible. But listen, when this stuff goes, I go. When things get hard, I'm out of here. When your message narrows, when you start saying, hey, unless you, unless you truly believe in me, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you're not my own, you find that the crowd narrowed at that point when Jesus started really zeroing in on the gospel. I'm out of here at that point. What are you running from in life? Are you running? Trying to run from something? Some, somewhere in your life, for you to grow as a person, for you to grow spiritually, you have to stop running every time things get hard. You have to stop chasing the adrenaline rush. Oh man, man, if I can just get that ball, then I'll be happy. If I can just get to that vacation, if I can just get to Christmas, if I can just get to cooler weather, Wednesday, praise God, if I can just get there, then I'll be happy. You need roots. Stop wanting someone else's life. Learn to just be still and listen to the voice of God. You simply cannot grow without roots. And you will never grow roots until you stop running, start listening, and open your heart in faith. And so my prayer is that we as a church, you as an individual, I as a pastor, will grow beyond the superficial. And we will experience the joy of a deep, enduring faith that is lived out in deep, enduring relationships. There's also the condition of the divided heart. You see that in verse 22. Look with me there in your scriptures. The person next to you is asleep. This is a good time to wake him up. Now the one sown among the thorns. This is the one. Are we at the picnic? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Now the one sown among the thorns. This is the one. I just chased a squirrel. This is the one who hears the word. But the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So, again, this is the person that receives the word, but it never really becomes fruitful. 
because they are so consumed with the things of the world. And it's really easy to get consumed with busyness that we no longer have time to connect with God's Spirit. In Christianity right now, there's a lot of hand-wringing. When I meet with my fellow pastors, there's a lot of nervousness, anxiety. Fewer Americans going to church. The pandemic created different habits where people who still go to church sometimes go less or more mobile than we ever have been before. How many of you are still working from home quite a bit or you work from home quite a bit? Yeah. Technology has also allowed us to, be, to access information and even access people in ways that we have never been able to do before. And so in Christianity, and you see the same thing in education and a lot of different areas of life, there's a lot of hand-wringing. What, what are we going to do? People like, fewer Americans are going to church. What are we doing wrong? And often the church isn't doing anything wrong. People are just so obsessed with the things of the world that they don't have any room for the spiritual world. One of the things that we have to be intentional about is unpacking the clutter. So back in, uh, back last February, uh, my wife and I, we were trying to sell a house. Anybody ever gone through that joy of selling a house with four kids? Yeah. So as we tried to sell the house, we had to remove everything that was in the way. That was a task. There was bag after bag after bag after bag of stuff that we had to take out of the house. All sorts of things that we had to remove, and most of it we never missed. You know, life, American life, it's full of nice things. And our schedule can get so full. There's so many things the kids can do. So many things we want for our kids and for our grandkids. And we can easily just fill up every minute so that we are constantly on the go. And we have all this stuff and we have all these things. We don't have life. And we're stressed out. And sometimes we don't even have the stuff that we really need. And so I want to lovingly, I'm not trying to shame anybody or make you feel bad, but I want to lovingly encourage you to take the time to nurture your heart. I want to encourage you, if you're physically able, to make the effort to be a part of the community that is the church, to gather with God's people and to live life, to make the effort to have real friendships, to reach out to others. And in order to do that, we may have to ask God to help us to identify what needs to stay and what's just clutter taking up space. What activities, what busyness could we remove because it's really just a distraction and it's keeping us from the best. Well, in verse 23, there's the growing heart. And the growing heart, according to Jesus here, receives the, the good word. The, the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word. 
who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Now, what did Jesus say about how to grow spiritually? If you take our two parables over the last two weeks, last week we looked at the parable of the foundation. Jesus said, you must listen to the word, act on the word, and then this week he gave us two additionals. Endure trial and produce fruit. For us to grow spiritually, we must receive the word of God, act on the word, endure trial, and then produce fruit. Those were the qualities of spiritual growth that Jesus gave us. You see, when your heart comes alive to Jesus, you receive his truth. And you take those first steps of faith. Whenever your heart comes alive to Jesus, you refuse to remain the same. When you receive the truth of God, you want to take it to others. You want to make a difference in your community. You want to go outward. Whenever you receive the truth of Jesus, it anchors you and becomes a foundation in adversity. When things blow and storms blow into your life, the foundation is strong and you endure. When you receive the truth of God, boredom is replaced with purpose. And venomous words are replaced with edifying words. Hard-heartedness is replaced with love. And cold, sterile religion loses all of its appeal because you have something more. You have the truth. You have the gospel. You have Jesus. And that changes everything. And so my prayer for you today is that you might open your heart to hear the word of the Spirit. And that God will use your life to produce abundance in the kingdom of God. To overflow you and to make an impact that lasts for generations. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? Every now and then, I, I think it's good to ask this question. And so I want to encourage you not to, not to think about what's next right now, but just to think about this question. How's my heart? How's my heart? How are things in your spirit right now? Has your heart grown hard? Are you building walls that keep others out? Maybe hiding behind some misunderstandings or anger? How's your heart? Are you too busy? And so your heart is malnourished because you've been feasting on all these different things that have to be done and you've never been stopping to connect and to nurture your soul. How's your heart? Are you running from something? You keep running to the next adrenaline rush thinking that that's going to be it. You keep running to the next accomplishment thinking, okay, if I can just do this, then, then I'll be okay. And so in the process of all this stuff, you've never really grown roots. How's your heart? Have you ever given it to Christ? 
and taking that initial step of faith where you truly trust in Christ as Savior and Lord? If there's anything that I can pray with you about today, if I can help and encourage you as a pastor, please feel free to reach out to me. I'll be here at the front during this next song. I'll be here after the service. You can email me at pastor at murphychurch.com. If today needs to be the day where you take that first step of faith and you trust in Christ and you give Him your heart, just call out to God right now and in your own words, just acknowledge your sin, ask for forgiveness, and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Then tell me about it. Tell somebody that you know that follows Christ that today you gave your heart to Christ. Lord, I'm praying that you will do a heart transformation within us. Help us, Lord, to be the fertile soil that receives your truth. Lord, may we be growing as disciples so that we are becoming more like you and we are reflecting your image. And may the work that you are doing within us overflow from us so that we experience community transformation. We experience the transformation of relationships. We have enduring love and we have true joy. There is laughter upon our lips. There are edifying words coming out from our soul because we're experiencing your love and your presence and our hearts are open to your truth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and worship. Amen. Let's stand together as the band leads us.